This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. One of these days, I will master the ability to complete a sentence. Scott Owen. Right, what would I know? I'm just the weekend host around here. And Adam Pace. Look, I think of what other choice you have. Starting now. And would you believe it? It is February. That's right. We are closing in on the third last month of the A-League season. And, well, let's try and put the ending of January behind us as quickly as possible on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam with you once again. And, yeah, I think uh, the only way to sum up the two raw results from the weekend is uh, <laughs> stick around, kids. we got some great ads for you. Uh. <laughs> anyway, Scott, how are you? Yeah, that basically sums up. It was a very costly weekend for the Brisbane Roar. And you said this is the third last month of the A-Leagues going into February? Yep. I well, prefer there's... to think of it as the start of the MPL season myself, personally. That's just me. Oh, yeah, that's what I was originally going to say for the introduction. You're welcome. It's been a... MPL yeah, Sunday it's... show coming soon. Yes, well, I was going to tease that a little later on. But, Adam, why don't you give it a bit of a plug then? Yeah, right. Yeah, MPL Sunday coming back soon. And, uh, yeah, as well as... Oh, sooner on. than we realised. Yeah. You... And you uh, not improved. Yeah. And like I said, I'm uh, refreshed and recharged after a week off. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's uh, all of a sudden I get back off a cruise and it's NPL season almost. But uh, yeah, we still have the uh, ghastly business of the A-League to also digest. Yes, exactly. And uh, well, we'll get through our match reviews as quickly as possible because... Well, okay, you know what? I, I do want to sort of clarify something. There was one really frustrating game on the weekend, and there was one game with a unbelievably frustrating result that if I didn't have any sort of rooting interest in, I would have loved watching because it was utterly insane in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. As I just look to one of you to see if you either of you had anything you want to follow up on. No, that. frustrating pretty much sums it up quite nicely, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Okay, there we go. All right, let's go chronologically, starting with Friday night in the Hunter. And, uh, yeah, 4-0 loss for the men's side for the Brisbane Raw. Worst loss since, I want to say, 2019, Scott? Yes. So do you really want to have a guess at what game this was? Because I actually looked this up on Friday night, James, and it was a fair while ago, the Raw's last really heavy defeat in the A-League men's. I'm going to guess it was December 2019, based on your message under the predecessor. Uh, was it a home or away loss? It was an away loss. Was it out in Perth? No, it was a 5-1 loss against Sydney FC. Oh, yeah. The glory days of um, December 2019. Yes, I was, I was actually thinking Anzac Day 2019, but yeah, no, I didn't, now, you, now you remind me that yeah, that, there was that, that loss in Sydney. Yes, it was 3-0 at halftime, it got to 5-0, and then Roy O'Donovan, remember him? Scored a oh, very late consolation goal. Which I think may have been met with Bronx cheers from every person watching that game. <laughs> it was a fun match review on this show. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, especially because uh, it probably was just as hot as it is today where it has been an absolute stinker and showing no signs of uh, respite. But as we did sort of tease in the introduction, we can guarantee that there will be uh, rain for the Raw's Friday uh, game on the 10th of February because... Next weekend when the NPL starts. Yep. Yes. Uh, and nothing to do with my day job, but we can't offer odds on it being uh, 10 mils of rain on that Friday either. Ooh. Oh, 
That ruins Sorry, my next, Adam. My, that ruins my next question. Mm. I was going to sign up if you had those odds available. Yeah, well, there's all sorts of restrictions, so I'm going to just keep moving on <laughs> before I go there. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a bit of an arm wrestle early on as well. But eventually, the Raw just found themselves unable to contain who was, in my mind, the best player on the pitch, uh, Reno Piscopo, Adam. Yeah, look, it was a, um, it, it looked like a, a real struggle. I think it was one of those games where whoever got the first breakthrough was all, was going to go on with it. And I think, sadly for the Raw, it took, it took a, you know, a pretty spectacular effort slash, you know, really haphazard defence to really open up. Um, Piscopo, as you said, yeah, was, he, he was, he was brilliant. And, uh, the, that ball to find Josh Otterio, uh, to open the scoring. And even Josh Otterio couldn't miss from there. So, um, <laughs> so to make to wake at one nil, I sort of you know, got the sense from there. Uh, after after the Raw's uh, you know effort against uh, Melbourne City the week before, it, it seemed to me that uh, it was almost like that they ran out of gas almost. That uh, that you know, they, they were, once that goal went in, they were primed, they were primed to uh, sort of you know to get run over. But uh, look, I also say uh, there was a couple of freak goals. That Beck and Mikkeltarze's goal, wow. Yeah. The first half of this game, James, was very clear two sides that really lacked confidence in front of goals, wasn't it? Because Newcastle in particular had a couple of really good chances. Again, Reno Piscopo at the centre of everything good that Newcastle did, to your point. They couldn't capitalise on any of it in the first half, the Jets, and then the second half they did get the breakthrough, and it's what the old, what's the old saying? When you're waiting for a bus, you wait forever, and then three or four come at once. And that's exactly what yeah. happened for the Jets in this case, wasn't it? And from Brisbane's perspective... Once the first goal went in, they never really looked like they were going to get back into the game. And at 2-3-0, and three nil, it was pretty clearly white flag time in terms of we're not going to get anything out of this game. They brought on Marcel Canardi, James, to give him some minutes. I thought that was actually a good exercise in truth. I know the game was largely over with 15, 20 minutes to go, but to get him out there on the field, I think that was beneficial for the Raw. But they just weren't at the races in this game, particularly defensively. And yet again, their attacking woes were on show. Yeah, and it was sort of a situation where on a night where the defence wasn't at the usually impeccably high level that we have become used to this season, the attack just couldn't find a way to keep them in the game. And look, I, I will also give plenty of credit to Newcastle. That was the best performance I've seen them have all season long. They were you know, ruthless once they took the lead. They went on with it. And as Adam said, two excellent goals to go on with it. The third one was an excellent goal. The other ones were, weren't the best defending, unfortunately. No, but I also think, like, if you're looking at it from both ways, there were plenty of defensive mistakes, but there were also, like, bits of... Uh, I'm not sure if I really want to quote Ned Zelich given his Twitter feed, but uh, individual brilliance. <laughs> Even the second goal, Trent Bahadur's goal, you, you, you're going to struggle to... On a one-on-one break... Um, you're gonna you're gonna struggle to keep him out. It's actually a very very nice finish. I thought I thought that Tom Aldred and um, Jordan Holmes actually I thought they might have done enough to get him off to sort of get him offline, you know. But uh, to the way he sort of chipped past uh, Holmes, uh, yeah. Look, I even th- thought that was um pre- was pretty good. And, uh, look, Archie Goodwin uh, in that final goal, he showed. Yeah, he showed you know, why there were sort of rumours that the Raw were chasing him earlier in the season. But uh, 18 years old, he's he's a um, you know, a real prospect. As, as, and it's not the first time he sort of 
bobbed up and yarn and sort of done the spectacular. So uh, look, I think yeah, I think that the, it was. I think it's a case of Newcastle wanted more. I think Arthur Pappas definitely you know needed it. I think to you know with questions on his job security and uh, you can tell on the sidelines that they were very happy slash relieved uh, bench on on Friday night. And I think yeah, Newcastle looking for three points for the Raw. Look, a bad night, but uh, it, it, it sort of you now. You know, it really does now put them in a bit of danger that you now the rest of the field might go by them. Yeah, Goodwin in, Goodwin out on the Socceroos' left flank for the next World Cup campaign, perhaps, James. He was very impressive off of the bench. But you mentioned Tom Aldred there, Adam. And I thought he did really want to keep up with Trent Parge, mm. a player who is he's not the quickest player in the A-League anymore. He's certainly right up there. And Tom Aldred matched it stride for stride with him in terms of coming across and cutting cutting off the angles. He did a really good job. And actually, it was... Probably the Raw's best player on Friday night, James. I think he, he had a really good block in the first half as well, at one point as well. So he had a really good game, Tom Aldred, but this result could be really costly for the Raw. It's three points that they probably most people probably would have banked them getting in terms of getting further up the table. And at the end of the I season, absolutely, at, I think we all did on the show last week before technical difficulties cut in at the end, but it's a result which... I'm, I'm not saying it's going to cost them a spot in the top six necessarily, but when you look back at the end of the season, wherever the Raw finished, James, if it's not the result that you would have been hoping for, this is the first place you're going to look of where could the Raw have picked up some extra points because this really was three points dropped and clearly their worst performance of the season. Yeah, it was a frustrating night um, at the office and one chief uh, person you could look at for just how frustrating it was was the coach... Warren Moon, that was a really clumsy way to throw to the clip, but this is what he had to say after the match. Oh, three really poor mistakes for, uh, for three of the four goals. I mean, the first goal, the second and the fourth. Were, um, that's not acceptable defending at any level, especially in the A-League, and uh, that, that's where I would look first. I mean, the third goal is a great finish. Uh, and I think I'm so disappointed by that because that's the one thing we have done very well this year is defend. So it's such an, an anomaly for us that we, we defend that way, um, especially after last week's defensive effort. It's, it's, it's so disappointing and it's so, obviously something we have to try and get right because um, we didn't see it coming, and, uh, but it's happened and uh, we've been punished for it tonight. And that was Warren Moon in the press conference afterwards and a clearly frustrated uh, manager as well. But look, I suppose if you, it, it all comes down to your predisposition, how you want to view that one. I think it is going to be fairly unanimous to say that kind of sucked but it depends you know is it a sign of maybe the defense starting to break under the pressure of having to carry the team through the opening half of the season or was it simply just a bad night at the office yeah so they've been defensively outstanding all season think about all the clean sheets they've only conceded 13 goals for the season now and given they conceded four at the weekend that's 14 a, goals, it's I a think. 14 i beg your pardon so it's 14 goals that conceded for the course of the season that shows you just how good defensively they have been. So def- attacking-wise, you know that's been a big problem. We might talk about that later on. But defensively, they've been so good this year. You can't rely on that every single week to bail you out. And at some point, you are going to revert a little bit back to the average. Maybe that happened a bit on Friday. But defensively for the Raw this year, they've still been absolutely outstandingly good. Yeah, and what well, they also had... I think they've had two bad nights at the office overall this uh, this season and that's 
basically made up for a third of their goals conceded. Yeah, six six goals out of fourteen. If you the two goals that they they conceded against Melbourne City in week three, plus the four here, they've been they've been pretty much the the quote the, the bad performances defensively. So, but uh, I think the real worrying concern is you know one point out of the last last twelve or four games around our January uh, in in a I think. It's it's sort of you know a half glass empty half glass full sort of uh, sort of look there because like I said in a in a league in a ladder that's this tight that that could be critical where you've dropped eleven you know eleven possible points but the thing is is that they're still they're still within striking distance of second place so if you get it, oh, it just puts more pressure on now that they're going to need two or three wins against the grain that perhaps you'd think it's probably going to be a draw or you know like so they they. Off a bit, they beat Melbourne City. Aren't enough. They've got them in their in 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 their schedule the rest of the way. They but play so, City back end of the season. Yeah, so that would be one that they probably may need to win to try and sort of you know, gain ground back on on the chasing pack, and especially and also not dropping to teams that they should be should be beating. So it, it's one of those things where look, you could say that. Yeah, you know, I, I in my mind, I thought perhaps a loss here in Newcastle and probably their their finals hopes, you know, realistically go up in smoke. But then again, you know, the rest of the league aren't really pulling away. It's, it's Melbourne City first, and even they're starting to show a little bit of signs of, um, you know, of sort of their struggle as well. So, look, it's, they just need to, they just need to find a way to be able to, you know, start you know, picking up points that we, didn't, we otherwise wouldn't expect them to. Yeah, and that's kind of what I keep coming back to, where the silver lining of uh, the struggles of the last month is that everyone else around them is kind of struggling too and I think we said it maybe three weeks ago and I want to repeat it again you know it, it reduces their margin for error over the coming 12 games that they've got left to play but if the signings that you know they're clearly having to make to try and reinforce the squad turn out to be good moves then maybe it will have been worth taking the pain of the last four matches so that you're playing yourself like you're giving yourself the best chance to succeed on the run home because look I, I don't think it's really a big stretch to say Raw aren't going to win the Premier's plate I think it's Melbourne City's to just keep the uh, competition at arm's length, length and they'll probably have it wrapped up a week or two from the end of the season they but can present right that now to be honest yeah but right now, I think if the Raw do happen to pick up, go on a run where they're picking up, you know, 12 points from five matches, all of a sudden they become so much more dangerous. But it does come down to how these new signings are going to perform because you listen to all the interviews with the players. Jay O'Shea did the press conference uh, last Friday where he mentioned we need to get reinforcements in as well. And that's been a pretty consistent message in the public statements that they've made. Yeah, we might talk about the signings later on, James. But yes. I completely agree with everything you just said. Before we wrap up this game, I want to talk about the attack very briefly. I know we've said enough about it, but 10 goals in 14 games, I think it's 15 games now this year. Mm. The, the fewest goals the Raw have ever scored in a season, James, is 25. And that was 2006-7 and 2007-8. And that was a 21-game season. This is a 26-game season. So you mentioned they've got 12 games to go. 15 goals in 12 games is eminently doable, but at the moment, it's tracking towards historical lows in terms of goals scored. So it's clear where the improvement has to happen. And hopefully when some players are announced later this week, perhaps, maybe we'll start to head in that right direction. 
it's it's da- it's damning when you're when you're at this far in the season and you're you're at less than a goal a game average. Uh, yeah, that, that that is not good, and, and that's no, and that's not good. I mean, it, it's it's scary to think that you know we sort of say yeah, okay, the defence had an off night, but the the the, the chance the the hope that this still has is that the defence is pretty much is what kept Raw at least within in arms distance, and, then, and that we're not officially saying the season's gone. I think that they just need to get their attack right and start scoring goals and on a regular basis. But yeah, you're right. 15 goals out of 12 games is not a hard ask. But uh, look at the moment. Uh, you just don't know where the goals they come from, if anywhere. Yeah, clearly they still believe there's hope, James, for the rest of the season. They've brought in a couple of players who've already announced the resource. Marcel Canardi debut this game. Ayon Mujok the week before. There's clearly a whole bunch of new players coming in this week. So that's not the sort of business you do if you think the season is over is that you're just trying to get through with what you have so clearly the Raw still believe that they can get some players in and make a real difference in the back end of this league so there's still plenty to look forward to in this season they just need to start finding the back net with a bit more regularity you want to you know yeah. you, you want to know what the definition of giving up on a season is just talk to my my other club Oof. That, that would be Everton FC yeah they're, going, take... they're not going so well at the moment uh, they're, getting, yeah. they're getting relegated it's almost Bacon, unless Sean Dyche can uh, pull a rabbit out of the hat, it's all well, right. I'll, I'll just go on a quick uh, tangent there. We were talking about this at work this afternoon. I still think Southampton's uh, rabbit's foot luck is going to expire. Bournemouth down. And I think it's going to possibly be... Leeds, 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 Leeds. Oh, you got you boys up. got more faith than I do because... <laughs> no, that's just what I want to happen. I think that's what I think's going to yeah. happen. I, I, I'll look... I just think Dyche is going to find a way to just get Everton to jag like half a dozen one nil results against the other relegation battlers. What about and the other small team from Merseyside? Aren't they tracking down the table as well? They're last trending. I beh- last I saw, they're behind Bournemouth. They're trending downwards. I reckon that you could both be in the Merseyside derby in the championship next year, Adam, maybe. <laughs> that, that, that hurts them more than us. Yeah, so can I just point out for our listeners, we are talking Premier League, so just bear with us for a second. That's enough. Point out, the yeah. guy whose team is uh, currently fighting for a top, sports, top four spot is feeling more confident and bullish than the guy whose team is currently leading the league. I didn't say that. <laughs> and, and, All right. Uh, I never once Adam, said they've anywhere on. higher than fifth, but anyway. Adam, your 3-2-1 vote. Uh, yes, uh, right, three three points uh, for mine from the Newcastle game. Yeah, three points to Carl Armiento. I thought he, tr- he tried hard. In certain certain aspects to try and spark the uh, attack, but obviously wasn't successful. Uh, two points Henry Hoare and one point to Ayam Majok. I thought he was uh, he was actually you know, good value uh, coming on late and actually sort of you know was was sort of you know a handful. Yeah, I <laughs> I'm just going to say before the uh, complaints come in, we vote on every game: win, lose, draw, win by a lot, lose by a lot anything in between so uh, yeah we've got to find our uh, three best players every week and Michelle yeah. does look easy. a handful doesn't he it's only two sub appearances so far but he does look like he's got something about him that's a that's a real positive for the Royal going forward so they've got a player which is a bit of X factor as he finds his feet hopefully he finds some goals and also as a bias I always um, I always sort of expect the unexpected with these sort of, you know these African you know sort of heritage players. I I think they're a tremendous uh, asset to the league. I think Majok, the way he looks at the moment, I think he, he again. I I'm not I'm not saying that he's going to score ten goals a season or be the Messiah of um 
of you know, the Raw's goal-scoring wo- woes, but I certainly think he is going to be quite a handful for tiring defences uh, late in the season. Yeah, well, we'll talk about the uh, signings of Majok coming up, but first, we have to talk about the craziness on the uh, Peninsula on Sunday afternoon. It was a uh, much later kickoff than we expected, 25 hours later than we expected, because uh, Wellington had their flight cancelled uh, by the sound of it, which... I, I don't know if it's got anything to do with the um, flooding going on. In it had, it, in fact, it had everything to do with it. Uh, what what happened, I do believe, was the flight was cancelled because the floodwaters had actually damaged the runway lights at uh, Auckland International Airport. So that, that's yeah. So it wasn't a case of uh, poor planning or that. Everyone's flight uh, was delayed until the morning. So um, yeah, this is. This is one of these things that you know, yeah. This is one of these things that at the moment occur because we're not at uh, post-pandemic levels yet, uh, pre-pandemic levels. There are no direct flights at the moment from Wellington to uh, Brisbane, as far as I know. I think everything seems to be going through Auckland, or it might be one flight a day. Or uh, the so this actually, I'm glad you brought that up because um, when the stuff.co.nz story first came out saying the Nix's flight had been cancelled. I went on uh, one of those flight finder sites seeing what was going on. So from what I can tell, they were on a direct Wellington to Brisbane flight that was the second last Wellington to Australia flight um, that afternoon. And it would have been too late for them to get to get on a subsequent flight that same day, which meant that uh, which basically meant like they couldn't fly until the morning and there was no guarantee they would make it in time for the scheduled 2pm yeah. Brisbane uh, kickoff. Yeah, so no flights so, out of Wellington could get on and clearly going through Auckland wasn't an option either. So yeah. unfortunately there was no option but to postpone the game for 24 hours. But it was certainly an interesting, one, one interesting game when we got there, James. It, it was phenomenal. Like the Raw started so brightly, jumped out to a 2-0 lead. Shea Connors getting off the mark and then... Uh, well, it all kind of kicked off after that, where uh, Connors was... I, well, spoiler alert, I gave her my three points for the 3-2-1 vote, so I don't mind uh, giving that away, even though it's Adam's turn on the women as well. But, um, yeah, I thought Connors was far and away the best player on the pitch. She was busy, she was running around, and I, that was the best performance of the season. She also got Kate Taylor sent off for a denial of goal-scoring uh, opportunity, which set up Katrina Gorey, free kick. What else did you expect? Oh, just... Uh... Yeah, it's Katrina Gorey. <laughs> well, I actually was watching it from uh, up on the deck at AJ Kelly Park, and the only thing I was trying to work out is you're going to try and get it up and down over the wall or just drill it into the uh, far netting and beat the keeper, which she went for the latter option. As she can do, which she's proven time and time again, James, an absolute master at scoring goals from outside the penalty area. And at that point in the game, you really thought, raw by how far? Given everything, everything that Wellington had been through in the game, they had to... Had the issues with the travel, which meant the game had to be delayed. They had their captain sent off. They were 2-0 down. But from that point on, they were absolutely sensational, the Wellington Phoenix, in that game. So get back into the game and lead by three goals to two inside the last 10 minutes. It was a phenomenal effort from that young young Kiwi side. And probably if they'd won the game, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have had to say they would have deserved it, given the way they'd fought back. The Raw did get the late equaliser, obviously. But I want to give credit to Wellington. They were really, really impressive. In that, from that moment on in the game. Yeah, and I know we are primarily raw-focused most of the time, but for me, the story of this game was just how unbelievably resilient Wellington were. 
not only like overcoming all the dramas getting to the stadium as you said a horror start and like that they looked second best for the first half hour and then something just a, a light bulb went off across that team and they just developed a fire that nothing against the rule, but they just could not match. Yeah, I can tell you where that moment was, was uh, Michaelia Foster's uh, long-range free kick that scored, which, look, if I'm, if I'm being honest, um, look, it was it was a very audacious free kick, but from that far out, sometimes I don't usually give the keeper much. Uh, I think Ansley Ancuff was not her, not one of her finer moments uh, this game. And, and uh, yeah, that I... I do think that was more keeper sort of you know error more than goal, but that that seemed to have sparked uh, Wellington Phoenix and and uh, yeah look I, I think the second goal look I think Emily Clegg she she's one uh, to watch I think she's she she looks like to be a star in the making and then uh, yeah to go go three two up you thought oh this is this is on so look yeah you would have a two nil down you, and and ten and down at ten players you would have forgiven them to say okay you know what it's just not our week we're just it's not. It's not. Not meant to be. You know, we'll pack up tent and you know, and you know, sort of you know, go to damage limitation. But the fact that they went and chased this game and actually made the raw chase just to get a point back, uh, look, that's exceptional performance. You know, congratulations to N- Nelly Lawrence and her team. I thought that's uh, one of the finer moments of the season. I think, for, especially for this this club who, are, who have more than often not last two seasons have struggled. Yeah. One thing I will point out as well, just from that vantage point, watching the game. I hate the depth perception uh, when you there sometimes because I thought that free kick had actually gone into the side netting. Just with the angle yeah. that you were watching it on, I thought, she hasn't gone for a shot there, has she? Oh, wow, she has. Oh, and they're celebrating. It's a goal. And it was just like a phenomenal effort as well. All three Knicks goals were quite frankly just yeah. unbelievable. Even the fourth one, which was ruled out, which I might get you to clarify and what actually happened there, James, because it wasn't really clear for either of us, given the whole, it was a very late decision with the offside flag, but that was a great bit of play to set that up, so all the goals that Wellington did score were outstanding, but did you want to clarify what happened early in stoppage time there? Yeah, so it was, well, all all things considered, it was a beautiful through ball to uh, tee up Michaela Robertson, who, um, yeah, finished with a plum. but in the end, after discussion between the referee and her assistant, uh, was deemed to be offside, but because it of the um, filming tower couldn't actually see the assistant so I don't know exactly when the flag went up I don't know if there was a signal but just about every raw player bar I think to lead the Kramer from the back line instantly turned around and said she was offside and well I, I'm, I'm glad that Talitha Kramer did um, did sort of protest to save her own hide because that was her fault no, she, she was caught ball watching and uh, and and uh, I think I think it's uh, I think it was almost hope and pray this is called offside. Uh, t- for those that watched it on on uh, the, on live stream, they they gave the goal. Uh, like the, the it was four three, and even even the commentator whose name escapes me um, was was talking as if you know Wellington have won the game, and then and then all of a sudden, uh, obviously then as as it went forward, then it was ruled it was ruled as um, offside. Yeah, just to be clear, James, you were there. It was was it was clearly offside because all the reports from the ground are it was very clearly offside. Okay, well, I will mm. trust them on that because again, I I didn't have a good angle on it uh, for me, so I will have to 
Yeah, Let's like just go on the messages we got on social yeah, media. Yeah, so I think it could be incorrect, but everyone was saying it was offside. The raw, so. the raw core, I think, were actually pretty much in line where they set up at they AJ were. Kelly. I think it's pretty, it was pretty much in line with them. So I think they would, they would know, they would uh, pretty much said, and if uh, even if they embellished it a little bit, a lot, I think the, some of the words well, were way offside. But uh, <laughs> and and good on them for that. But uh, but yeah, I, obviously yeah. But uh, there was a bit of confusion watching it. On on um, on the stream because they de- they definitely uh, created the goal to Michaela Robinson. We're thinking, oh, they've done it. Yeah, yeah. I credited well, it on I, our social account. So I. That. Yeah, uh, and there was a point initially. I think it, I think it was given as a goal initially, and there was discussion before overturning it, almost like a conference between the match officials. Um, so yeah, that's why it sounds like it was there. But we'd also like to point out the rule have to feel like they clearly walked under a ladder or something on their way into the game because just reading back Gorry uh, Palmer Norrie all rattled the crossbar yeah. as they were chasing an equaliser or possibly a winner so it, yeah. it they could have easily won this game 4-5-3 yeah. in the end but it's, it's your point. it was one of those absolutely crazy hours of football where almost everything you could imagine in a game actually happened and a point each is probably fair but much like the men's team James that result could be costly to drop two points at home. Yeah, but again, if you were watching that game as a neutral, you would have been having the time of your life and just about every game in the uh, A-League women's this season as well. Oh, this weekend, I mean. I dare say, if you if you were a neutral, you're cheering for Wellington, I think, it would be, uh, being, being the the very, very <laughs> big underdog on that. But look, also as well, I just want to pay note as well, uh, Larissa's Crummer's equaliser, that was, you know, a brilliant goal. It just shows, like, she, at the moment, it's just so frustrating watching Larissa Crummer because she's trying hard. She is trying hard, but it's just not falling for her. There's get blocks in the way. So that, that goal was, you know, you know, I think more than anything, just a reward for um, reward for, you know, for persistence. Question for the both of you, and this might be a fairly tough one to adjudicate. Which was the best of the Raw's three goals on the weekend? Because they were all very <laughs> different uh, passages of play. Scott? I like the first goal. I like to go. I like the passage of play for the shake on goal. Which, by the way, that's a really important one for her to get her yeah. off the mark. She's been pushing for that goal for the last couple of weeks, and it's great to see her finally get it. I thought that was the best of the three, but the bomb from Katrina Gorey was great, and a, a nice little bit of play from Crummer as well. To, it's a photo finish, but I'll go with the first one. Adam, I'm going with the Gorey goal. It's, I, I, I said only because I said, yeah, set piece. Scoring from a dead ball is so so important, especially in this league. But you know, also as well, just yeah, you know, Katrina Gorry, you know, she's she's clearly in the eleven best players that Australia can pick at the moment for the World Cup, and she's showing it week in week out. And I think I I think I commented um, at some point in the chat, you know, I say I wish someone else or a few more players than that would actually support uh, Katrina Gorry because she she is just you know going from strength to strength in this in this league at the moment for the raw, but it just doesn't seem to be people players that are catching up or consistently as a team. You got one or two standout performances with her, but she's you know since she's you know, got back to full fitness after having a little layoff the start of the season. Uh, she's just been phenomenal. She's been everything. And, uh, yeah, look, I just think that, yeah, she, she's a walk-up start to start you know, against Ireland um, in July. First player on the midfield team sheet. Yep. I was would, that Matilda's um, team? 
first bar. I, I will split the vote and say, you know, nothing against Gori, but she set the bar so high, that's pretty much a par for the course for her now. I'm going to say Crummer because you look at the moment in the match, the need for a goal and just the audaciousness to chip it over the keeper, especially after having that uh, goal denied in the first half by an excellent bit of tracking back by the Wellington defender whose name escapes me at the moment. So, yeah, that was a fun question to ask and a good way to get some opinions. Let's also hear from the Raw coach, Gareth McPherson. I caught up with him after the game. All right, Gareth, a bit of a frustrating result in the end, 3-3. What were your thoughts on the match? Um, we are very positive coming out of the first half. Probably a game for us that was characterised by just individual errors and missed opportunities. Uh, I, I will go back and we'll look at the numbers, but probably one of the better games of creation of goal-scoring moments we've had. I mean, we took three of them. But um, just frustrating that we weren't able to deal with a team that were just, I don't know, it seemed like they were just up, really up for a, a fight and a, and a competition. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the players are frustrated. Uh, they frustrated they didn't win. They're frustrated they were 2-0 up uh, at one point at home. And we don't, you know, we like to be able to go on with those games at home. So look forward to seeing a... A reaction on Tuesday, how they turn up for training on Tuesday. And it wouldn't have been the easiest build-up for you guys either, having the uh, delayed kickoff as well by 25 hours instead of 24. Yeah, it. I mean, it, it throws a spanner in the works, and I think probably Wellington were on the on the worst end of that, having to be at an airport and a couple of flights. So yeah, we'd planned all week for Saturday and to build our training around Saturday, and then it wasn't until we'd left our our confidence session the day before the game that we got the phone call saying they couldn't get out so we had to uh, make plans and organize another session and yeah just approach it a bit differently and uh it's still a very hot kickoff again for you guys today it's the problem uh, with the a-league at the moment how are you finding playing in the warm weather uh it, it's it's warm it's hot we we train in it too so um like i guess the the regularity of um that heat every second week kind of takes out other players and the recoveries get slower so it kind of it's challenging then the the way like maybe the way you can defend you know every second week if you've got to play when it's 33 degrees uh so we you know defend a little bit differently and uh you can see the fuzzy brains and decision making on both teams today um comes in and probably the quality of the game drops as well yeah all right, well, thank you, and good luck next week. Thank you very much. And uh, apologies for the uh, speakers in the background, but, uh, yeah, we made it work. Um, all right, Adam, three, two, ones from the game. Okay, yeah, so three points. I agreed with you as I get this opened up, but, uh, yeah, look, Shea Connors, three points. Uh, her best game. I think she, I'd almost say the best game of her, um, of her two-year stay in... Um, in the A League women, now I think, I think yeah, she, I think she found finally it was really important that you know, you know that she finally you know, found the back of the net, and I, I think that hopefully that this will be the start of you know a bit of a goal spree. Uh, two points, Katrina Gorey, as I outlined before. You know, look, I honestly I think she's the best player in the league at the moment, There's, and you know whether she gets applauded or not will depend on how far the Raw get in this season, but she's. Yeah, you know, just being absolutely outstanding, and one point, Larissa Kramer. You know, as I said, persistence uh, was rewarded, and uh, and yeah, like I said, and got the uh, the game equaliser. Fair enough. All right. Well, 
Let's move on. Now, we will start off with the signings that have been announced uh, by the Raw so far. So, is it the signings announced by the Raw or the one by the APL on Monday? <laughs> just wait. <laughs> I've got this all planned. Can you trust me to host? No. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Alright, uh, so James Nikolovsky and Ayon Marjok have earned promotions for their from their NPL youth contracts, which means they're now on full senior deals and they're counted as part of the senior squad. Uh, Nikolovsky got 12 games in the uh, NPL squad, which didn't have the best season, but certainly seemed to establish himself as a fairly solid option for Chris Grossman. Um, quick thoughts on uh, those two promotions, starting with Adam. Uh, look, uh, Nikolovsky was uh, the club's MPL Player of the Year. Uh, look, he, he he certainly looked the uh, looked the parts of you know in MPL, and you know, and so pretty much deserved his his call up to the senior side. Uh, look, and as I said about Ayon Majok uh, before, I look I, I think he's a bit of a wild card. I think you know, and this is what I think this is what the uh, the team needs. I, I'm not expecting him to go out and you know be be the spark plug that you know starts the goals scoring weekly for the raw but you know i think he he, he can show enough to definitely you know be a real you know a real pain for uh, defending teams well the thing i like about the marjok signing especially is you've brought in a guy who's only 20 but has a little bit of experience in the a league as well where he's young enough that he still has a long way to go in his development but he's clearly got the gifts to come in and contribute in a specific role right away. Like, if he's starting games, you know, uh, by the end of the month, then I'll be a little bit concerned. But I feel like he's a perfect sort of player you can take a flyer on to help you out in the interim this season as maybe that super sub, but also that sort of person that if he develops the way that, you know, Ante Kovacevic might have... Uh, hoping he would have at Western United because it sounds like he was involved in the football department there when they brought him into that team. I think that's the sort of perfect player to take a flyer on for the short and long term. Oh, sorry, just, Absolutely. Oh, sorry, just sorry for you to so go on, Sky. I just, just want to make this quick point. Look, I, I'm not expecting him to be Garang Kual, but I expect, I'm, I'm expecting him to... Um, take him if he was Garang Kual. Oh, God, yeah. But I, but as far twenty percent of Garang Paul, to be honest, <laughs> but Bold, but Kuehl, someone, yeah, but also as well, I'm hoping he contributes more than Golgo Golgo Mabratu. So look, if he if he gets sort of get within those parameters, I think it'll be it'll be a uh, worthwhile signing. Absolutely, and James, you've seen plenty of times around the A League players, uh, if that doesn't necessarily work at their first stop in the A League. They, they go away and they come back and at their second time of asking they're much better players and they start to you start to show that they've figured it out. We've seen plenty of examples of that and I'm hoping Abraham Majok or Ayo Majok I beg your pardon is the next player along that, that line where they got their chance it didn't quite work out for at Western United for whatever reason he went away and he comes back to the A-League and, and Brisbane and he starts to really figure it out because he's shown in the first two games he's got a lot of potential. With all, with yeah. all that we've seen from him he's clearly got a lot of untapped potential there and if Warren Moon can get that out of him he may not be long in the A-League moving overseas given the potential that I think he might have so he's a really good addition as for James Nikolovsky it's a richly richly deserved recognition of a really good NPL season where he now joins the Raw squad trains to them on a daily basis which I think he might have been doing anyway and he adds a bit of extra depth in the back line he's been on the bench a couple times now so maybe a debut is not far away for him but that's Ritzy reserved recognition for a for a very good twelve months. Yep. 
and uh, they've gone outside the club for the other announcement today. Uh, Taras Gamulka, a midfielder from Melbourne City, and I have to be honest, when like when I saw him get released by City, I didn't really think he would like go for the prospect of rebuilding at the Raw. But I love this signing again for the potential. I was impressed in his thirty-plus starts or thirty-plus appearances for uh, City and prior to that Adelaide as well. And it does seem like that sort of really good midfield replacement who is going to be a bit younger than uh, the departed Jesse Daly and Matty Steinman. Yeah, I'll jump in here, Adam, because I was I actually saw his debut for Adelaide United against the Brisbane Roar in that almost closed doors game. It's the first game back after the pandemic shutdown. I remember into, skipping that. Yeah, you, uh, there was, in, uh, it was basically about 500 people there. It was really, really eerie to be there on that night. But he made his debut in that game for Adelaide. He was quite impressive in that fixture for them. And he made a bunch of appearances in the back end of that season. That's what prompted Melbourne's five appearances. Thank you, James. To basically prompted Melbourne City to say, we have to go and get this kid. Because we know what they're like in terms of spotting a young talent in the A-League and bringing them into their setup and trying to nurture, develop and on-sell those players. We've seen them do that a lot. And that was probably their plan with Taras Kamulka. And unfortunately for him, he just got Aiden O'Neill in, in his way, who is, in his own right is having an exceptional season in the middle of midfield for Melbourne City. So he's probably moving for game time and opportunity. And we've said before, James, how, how important a midfielder is alongside Kai True and, and Jay O'Shea in that midfield for the raw for balance. I think Taras Gamulka, well, may not necessarily be the flashiest of signings and the highest of profile, and some fans may not be fully familiar with exactly what he brings. He could be a really important piece in in games this year for the Raw, where they do want to play with an extra midfielder and push Joe O'Shea further forward. He could be a really valuable player in that midfield mix, so I think it's a, a very good pickup, and he's got, again, another player with high upside. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to... Uh like about that as well he's 21 I'm pretty sure so it seems like he's and reading the comment he gave to the rural website this afternoon he's clearly here to compete for like a regular starting spot in 90 minutes each week Look, I think he, I think he's rebuilt uh, as a, as a starter, and as, as Scott said, he, a reason why he he went for the mutual termination away from Melbourne City was to get game time. I think he's a, he's he's ready. You don't play, you don't make 38 appearances at the A League and be content with sitting on the bench. So you've got to say something for at least for his ambition that he, like I said, because he could just he could have stayed at Melbourne City, collected another couple of trophies, but obviously he wants to develop as a player. He obviously has eyes on. You know, Perhaps Paris for the for the Oli Roos. Uh, so so I think it's a very very good sign. I think that this combination, like Scott just brought up, you know, Kai Truen and Taras Gamulka, you know, really sort of controlling that midfield and allowing Jay O'Shea to be more of you know, sort of be more attacking, more playmaker role. I really like the sounds of that. You know, I, I think that it frees up Jay O'Shea to do what comes naturally to him rather than try to do too many roles. So, uh, look, uh, there's a lot of upside. I think, yeah, a lot of the negative comments that there are and are underwhelming and all that, I think that gets born from our place of ignorance more than anything else. I think they don't know what they've got. And I think, at the end of the day, I, I think, yeah, what those who are sort like, assuming he doesn't get hurt or hit or, you know, or something like that. I think he's going to be a very, very solid contributor. And he's not going to be a player that you're going to see, you know, up in lights every week. 
He's going to be a player that does his job. He's just going to go about his, his business. But where it's going to be here is that the results, I think, are going to come. Max, that, that, that stiff defence may have just gotten a little bit more you know, stiffer with you know, Truen and Gamulka sort of you know, screening that midfield field and allowing Jay Shea to be more natural, which I think will then in turn help the attack. Yeah, and that's also where I kind of come in and say the Chinati signing was clearly made with the idea of pushing Jay O'Shea into that holding midfield role next to Kai Truen. I think this, at least now, gives uh, Warren Moon the option to push O'Shea into that attacking group. I don't know how they're going to wind up lining up once all the signings are said and done. Good to see the airport uh, arrivals uh, image earlier today. But I think it is going to be a pretty... I think they're going to have options. And that's probably the one thing we have seen, you know, whether, you know, it's been frustrating or not uh, under Warren Moon, the Raw aren't afraid to try and match up and deploy the best possible formation, what they feel is the best possible formation week in, week out. So we may see, you know, some weeks where Gamorka's starting in the holding midfield role, O'Shea in the centre and Chinati out on uh, one of the two wings, which he apparently has the ability to play as well. It could just open up a little bit of uh, variation for how they play. So it'll be interesting to see how they all fit in as they gel over the next month. Yeah, that's the thing. it's options and it's options. I mean, some weeks they might want more attacking players in the team where you may not play a both True and Ogamuki might push Canadi or O'Shea into that role to a point, but it's options. And that's clearly what the Raw haven't really had across the board in the front two thirds of the pitch all season. So they've now got them and it's up to Warren Moon now to utilise them to the best of his capabilities. Yeah, and I think I've said this to you guys before, but and I may have said it on the show, but it does feel quite telling that at times of the starting 11, up to seven would have been considered nominal defenders at some point in time this season. Although I think it's fair to say Armiento is an attacker now, not <laughs> a left back like he was uh, initially touted as when he signed. Well, that's, that's exactly it. That's what, what it comes down to now is that they've got they've got options, and that and that's and I think that's the the buzzword, especially with you know, you know. We, we, we think there's going to be at least one more um, signing, but according to the uh, tease that the Raw gave. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, it's just more bodies in the park. Because I think, as I was saying, you know, this time last week before I, I, I went away on my cruise, the, the Raw were down to the bare minimum. I, I think from what you guys tell me for, for the Melbourne City game, like I said, they had to rush through Aon Majok, who, who I just signed a, um, a scholarship contract. So... The fact is that they've got players coming in, I think um, at least does provide options. If those players can play multiple positions and whatnot, that just that just enhances it. Because I think we know what we know about Warren Moon is that he's not afraid to try different formations and to adapt to a horses for courses uh, run rather than playing the same uh, you know, formation every single week. Yeah. Um, and the other signing that has not been announced by the Raw, but if keep-up is to be believed, and I think they're usually pretty spot-on when they release these uh, stories on the A-Leagues podcast earlier this week, Robbie Cruz will be signing a contract with the Raw, terms of which we'll have to uh, wait and see, but he is coming back to where it all began in the A-League for him, and I, I have to admit, I'm a little bit conflicted on this signing because he's coming off a major knee injury. He's been training with the Raw for a little while, at least since I think the preseason, so that might show that he's clearly fit enough as well. But even so, 
I don't know what sort of player he's going to come back and be. Maybe he's going to find his way back into it and be, you know, close to the Robbie Cruz we've seen that has lit up the A-League in the past. But I also think it is just as likely we may see that the knee injury is going to ruin him. I'm going to give him a chance. That's all I'm going to say on that. I, I don't love it. I don't hate it. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. But the best thing I can say about it is it's another body in attack. Depth and experience, that's what he's going to bring, James. If you're expecting the flying winger of 2007-2008, I think he might be slightly disappointed. He's not that, not that Robbie Cruz anymore, which is really how far back you have to go to see when he was a regular contributor for the then Queensland, or it was 2008, the last time he played regularly for the club. Since then, he's gone on obviously quite well. We all know what he's done, but last year at Victory, James, he was a bit part player, off the bench some weeks, starting others. More of a central attacking midfielder type, so you can see where he would fit into that raw front third, but I think he's more of a experienced depth player. He'll start some games, but he might not be the regular first-team player that we've seen in the past. But I think it's a it's a worthwhile pickup because it's a team that doesn't have a lot of experience in it anymore in terms of winning things, also playing at high levels. So the experience he can bring to some of the young players in the front third in particular, that has value. And all the quotes you've heard from people around the roar in the team when all that ever they've been asked about him is what the experience he's bringing to the group is valuable so I think from that point alone he's a worthwhile addition yeah for sure Adam over under 30 minutes per game uh, for Robbie Cruz and we'll use the uh, uh, what is it Antoine Griezmann Barcelona <laughs> Atletico Madrid number look I think I think under only because I think it comes down to expectation. If you're expecting Robbie Cruz, the 75 cap Socceroo, to be the Messiah, you are going to be very disappointed. I don't even think he himself or the club think that you're getting that Robbie Cruz. But he is experienced. He's a guy who's played in Europe. He's played in this league. You know, he can he can contribute. And that's what you want at the moment. You want a contributor. You want someone that can take minutes, take valuable minutes, and be relied upon to be able to, you know, get whatever job that Warren Moon needs him to do, and to get it done without question. He's got the experience to do it. You know, has he got the you know, the will to do it? Look, we'll, we'll wait and see. As far as you know, how long they've gone for, I know the sticking point was he wanted 18 months. Raw were initially were going to give him six months for the story broke that he uh, that. That there's no more discussions. Look, if the Raw give him 18 months, I'm I'm okay with that, because at the end of the day, expecting him to perform and do what you need him to do at the end of the season, where the Raw chase their tails, I think you're not going to get the best out of him. But if you give him the the stability, I think he's going to contribute to a positive rather than you know in six months' time saying, oh, he's washed up, get rid of him. I agree with that. But quickly, can you? Is it over 30 minutes? Was the question right? Over under 30 minutes per game as an average. Over, because you'll start some games. But I agree with what Adam said in terms of the breakdown Adam gave, but I think the minutes will be over. Yeah. And the final thing I will say on Robbie Cruz as well is that like, we know his time in Brisbane did not end on a positive note. There were all sorts of maturity questions um, and whatnot, but it does seem like he has grown up a lot since he left Australia for the uh, first time. And it does seem like he, you know, as you would expect, the big difference between someone in their 
teens compared to their uh, 30s now. It does seem like he's grown up a lot. And look, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I was more than happy to join on the uh, join in on the pylons 10, 15 years ago when he was playing for the soccer. He's going, oh, Robbie Cruz is on. You know, I guess that's a concession of the uh, result for Australia. But yeah, it's not something I'm overly proud of in hindsight. But I, I do hope that he does get. We all a did fair silly crack. things in our teens, James. I know, I'm just glad most of mine were before social media. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, that, that's all I'm going to say. It's like, he's... Yeah, I know he wasn't the most popular person in Brisbane when he left, and I know he would have done some stuff to rile up fans, but um, what were you saying about that off-air, Scott? Oh, like I said, it's been a long time since he played for the Raw, so you've got to have a really long memory to remember him actually playing for the Queensland Raw, don't you? 2008, yeah, it. so it's been a it long was, time. It was, uh, it was pre-Rossalona day, so that would be classed as ancient, especially for our current fan base. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, glory uh, days of Frank Farina. Yeah. Hey, they were oh, glorious. Oh. They played some great football back then. Just couldn't score. Give Frank Farina plenty of credit as well. You think of the, some of the players that he brought into <laughs> that squad. Oh, there's some entries well. on the worst, worst ever on that list, that's for sure. Oh, no, I'm talking about the positives as well. No, but the young players he gave to James's point were fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you think, like, he had, uh, was it Van Dyke? He had Orr, uh, Zulo, Cruz, Cruz. Minikin, Nichols, DeVere. Serrato when he was good. uh, Franich right at the end. Yeah, Ivan Franich, he gave him the chance uh, when a couple of defenders went down injured. So, yeah. Now, there is one other thing I do want to follow up on from last week, because we did have the uh, technical difficulties when the Skype call just completely crashed out. So apologies do. To... I go away for one I... week and you blow it up. I honestly think, because I'm try... I try and record with the windows closed in um, my room, in my home office here, I honestly think it just got so hot my internet connection went, nah, I'm done. <laughs> James is blowing up studios. Yeah. I mean, it's about the old days. I'm, all... I'm, call... I'm calling this, this is uh, his second blow up. I've had plenty of blow-ups, just uh, not in the studio. <laughs> anyway, it was talking about scheduling around the heat because we did have more of those stories coming out. Uh, some of the Western United players were treated for heat stroke, apparently. John Aloisi had something to say about that as well. I uh, don't have time for that clip, but thanks for clipping it up initially, Scott. That's all right. Um, yeah, and it was 29 degrees at kickoff at 3 p.m. on Sunday at Redcliffe. And look back... <laughs> Anyone, like, go out and run right now. It's still probably 29 degrees when we're recording now. It's not fun. So, on Saturday night, funnily enough, while I was uh, coming back from a run, I came up with a proposal for fixturing for next year as well. And I think it does find this sort of happy medium between when the games can be played and when they can't. Um, actually, what I'm also going to do is resend it to you guys because I think it would actually be a worthwhile uh, thing to... Uh, you guys have the visual accompaniment. So th- my theory behind it, you basically keep the same quota of games on Paramount Plus and the same quota on uh, free-to-wear as we get now. Oh, this one, yeah. Yep, there we yep. go. Just sent it through again in the Facebook chat. Um, Thanks, the same Professor free- James. <laughs> thank- yeah, free-to-wear um, games and same quota of women's game staying on uh, 10 play which are free to stream my theory is Friday night is uh, the free to wear games because we know like all we keep hearing is how hard it is to get to games on a Friday after work and school with the families so my Friday you have one A-League women's match at 7pm local time so wherever you're playing it 
Brisbane, Wellington, Sydney, Perth, whatever. It's a 7pm local time kickoff. Then the uh, 1A League men's match on Paramount Plus and 10 Bold at 7.30pm again, local time. It's all based around building the TV schedule around the home broadcast market. Saturday is your day to get out to the ground. No free-to-air matches on uh, either of the Channel 10 like over-the-air things. So the A-League women's matches are kicking off at 5 or 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. You've got four at that point in time, which I just realised the typo on what I put in the list. Um, 5 and 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and then you can do that whip-around show that Teo hosts as well. I'm not um, allowed to call one. Well, call it, am I? No. <laughs> I, I will call it the NFL Red Zone ripoff, but, uh, or Goal Rush ripoff, but either way, like, that is still sort of allowing them to basically have a three-hour window with four games to cover. 7.30pm Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, four A-League men's matches kicking off. Every game kicking off 7.30 Eastern Daylight Time. If you don't want to sit there and watch simultaneous matches, go out to the ground. But at least you know, 7.30 daylight time, so 6.30 in Brisbane, 7 o'clock in Adelaide, you know that is when your team is playing at home on a Saturday. Wellington and Perth can be shifted to suitable local time as needed as well, because obviously you can't have uh, Wellington kicking off at 9.30pm or whatever, but anyway. And then Sunday you go back to your free-to-wear windows, you have uh, two games at uh, 4pm, the women's at 4pm local time and the men's at 4pm daylight time, and that is also on Channel 10 Bold. Yeah, so that, we might. that works. The thing I would say about it is you can't have what we've had recently with players getting heat stroke and the quality of football being severely diminished because of essentially playing conditions that aren't suitable. So particularly in the summer months, James, that plan that you just went through, that should be the norm. It, when you get to end of March, April, May, you want to play at 2pm, that's fine. Was a bit cooler. That can work, but in the heat of summer, 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. That is just absolutely ridiculous. And if the broadcasters don't like it, you might just have to tell them to lump it, because look, the numbers aren't great anyway. So you probably should be prioritising in-ground experience and quality of football anyway. It's not like not like the A League's rating huge on Network 10 on a Saturday anyway. So to change it, I think it actually makes a lot of sense and. It might, to your point, get more tribalism back into the game, knowing on a Saturday, get out to the ground and support your team in the ground. I think it could be beneficial on a bunch of levels, but most most importantly, you can't have players suffering heat stroke on a, after a game. That's just that's where you know it's gone too far, and they do need to actually, particularly with these A-League women's kickoffs at 3 p.m. I know they wanted to create. It's ridiculous. They know they yeah. wanted to create a, win, a TV window for it, but. That's not the right Boy, option. did they get that wrong. Actually, can I, I just want to add one point about the A-League women, because I know this is going to be, this is going to be something that I know that the, the, um, the female, the female soccer marks are going to really go on about, and they want their own window, they want their own thing. Could they play, if, if, if they want their own standalone so bad, can they play in the morning? Like at 8, 8 a.m. Thursday kickoff. night. Or their Thursday, well, the or like I said, you can't you can't have both ways because at the end of the day, whether you like it or not, 
The men are always going to take pride. I know the Women's World Cup, I know the numbers are going to go absolutely ballistic in favour of women's football, but if you think for a second that the women's the, the women's football is going to exceed that of the A-League men and where you, you're deserving to usurp them, you, you're kidding yourself. But if they want that, window, that clear window, because this is what this whole you know, kick-off, at, you know, have three games at, at 3 p.m. local, you know, 2, 2 p.m. You know, up here in Queensland was all about was to give them their own window. So I get that. Could they play it 8 a.m. in the morning? You know, could, could, or could I, I they play have, it? At, I would have hated yeah. that. What's that? Like, we would have seen... Like, you remember yeah. when we went to those, like, uh, youth league games exactly. out at... And that's why the morning kickoffs wouldn't have worked... Wouldn't work for me. Just... No, no, no. no but they, remember, they used to kick off at, like, 10, 10 a.m. Like, I, I'm, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, but, you know what I mean? Like I said... Obviously, or even you know, you got you got to bite the bullet and say, you know what, men, are, are men and women football are they supporters? Are they two different groups? They're, therefore, I therefore, you can point if yeah. if you're a football fan in Brisbane, are you more likely if there's a women's game on at 5 p.m. at Perry Park, for example, to go down there and watch the the Raw women's team, or are you going to sit at home on the TV and watch Camp um, Central Coast versus Perth? I would what, hope. As a, as a, I would as hope a there's only one in Brisbane. What are you more likely yeah. to do? If you, are you going to sit at home and watch an A-League men's game, which has no significance yep. to who you support, or are you going to go and support the women's team I, playing at a good well, time in a good location? Hundred percent agree well, with you, Scott. But the problem is, is that this is the argument that's always that has always come up for the last decade. Or that you know you've got to have you can't have simultaneous kickoffs. Or this and that. That's rubbish. Absolute those days are rubbish. Gone. Like I said, the because, days of sitting yep. out and watching every A League yeah. men's game, no. those days expired at least five years ago. James. Exactly, like I said, People and don't if watch anyone every game of every round anymore, no, exactly, and that 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 died that died the day that the Fox Sports deal died, and even then that was that was going way too far. I think the, at the end of the day, when a competition like the Premier League can survive and have simultaneous kickoffs, where they have up to six kickoffs at at three p.m. on Saturday. Why can't the A-League do it? I w- and that's I A-League men just, and women. Yeah, and I would also say, yeah, I would say, like, so my overarching theory behind that schedule of you make Friday and Sunday your TV mm. games and everything else is on a Saturday, yep. it's basically just built around the theory that you're going to build your weekend around watching your club play, the men and the women. Like, we, we watch the men and the women every week. We do our best to... You know, give them as close to equal coverage as we can. But when it comes down to it, you're rebuilding it by getting as much encouragement to get out to the venues as possible for both the men and the women and saying, you know what? Like, you might have to bite the bullet and have a couple of double headers. Like, say, for instance, if the Raw, you know, don't have either of the TV games that weekend, you uh, wind up playing, you might have to wind up saying, you know, if they're both at home, it's got to be a double header. And I know, but that does work both ways where I saw a lot of people complaining about the Sydney FC active support showing up only for the men's game on uh, last Thursday. But I've seen more than enough commentary going the other way of the like A-League women's fans, especially for Melbourne City, saying like they have no interest in staying around for the men's game. They, th- it, they think it's rubbish. Uh, there's no point sticking around for it. So it does go both ways where these clubs really do have to try and find a way to build the match day experience to a point where you're getting fixtures would they, would they, being must As As you said about that, 
would would some, the Sydney FC supporters, like the, the 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 women supporters, do they really want the cove there? Like, I mean, you know, so when they when they're at their when they're at their, oh, take for example, actually an even better example, would the Melbourne Vikings? Do they really want OSM there at their games, given the dramas they've had in the past? I think this is where Definitely you need to not. separate it and say, you know what? If you if you if you don't want to, if you want to just watch a women's game if, as a family or whatever, then go. So be it. But I also think as well, you, the example you brought up, say for example, if the Raw were playing at Perry Park, the women at five o'clock on a Saturday, and then the Raw men were playing, I don't know, in Adelaide or somewhere at, at seven thirty kickoff. Wouldn't that actually behoove a lot of people to actually stay at Perry Park and actually you know, have a few drinks, socialise, watch the game on the big screen, you know, and like I said, and actually you start building a club club atmosphere around it. Well, okay, it's funny you mention that. So I just had this wonderful memory pop into my head that is really relevant now. So Rochdale, uh, with their presentation day, they did, um, like on the field fireworks after their friendly against the Brisbane Raw that day. How, well, I'm, I'm guessing the uh, strikers grounds crew are probably ready to throw their headphones out when I suggest this, but <laughs> why not say do a picnic on the pitch after the game? Oh, Bruce would have Get kittens. The fam- yeah. <laughs> but I've got the fireworks on the back pitch, to be fair. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about fireworks. I'm saying like, if it's like what Adam said, where yeah. the women are playing Western United at five o'clock at, or at four o'clock at Perry Park, and the men are playing at seven at six thirty in Adelaide. Go set up like a projector and yeah. a sheet on the uh, like on the far side of the pitch because the sun should be down by then, and play the game there with the audio coming through the speakers. Why not? Exactly. It's a wonderful idea because Adam's point it builds a club atmosphere and a more of a community club atmosphere that doesn't really exist in Yaley. But back to your point earlier, James, about people going to the grounds. That also enhances the TV product because it looks better yep. on television. Yep. So it helps both. So I think that's the way it has to be. You've got to get people into the ground and then that makes a better TV product for the neutrals to watch because the TV product is not there for the home fan. It's there for the neutrals and the away fan, really. If you're at the home games, you shouldn't be watching it on television if you can get there. I know not everyone can all of the time, but for the most part, the home games you go to the away games, maybe you pick one to go to, but the rest you watch on television. So if you get people in the ground, it's a better TV product as well. So these yeah, are and these are things that were really obvious that probably should be happening anyway. Yeah, and following on from your point about simultaneous kickoffs as well, Adam, mm. like it's not just the Premier League; it is every league, every freaking league yep. around the world in every all, sport. By yep. the way, not just football. Yeah, and that goes well, right sport that all the way down to. I was going to say it goes right down to like FQPL 8 or whatever we're up to now in the local leagues where you do have matches that overlap and I will never forget when they tried the simultaneous Saturday night oh, uh, last year just hearing the ignorant oh. whinging on social media which you, you know, well it's a cesspit we know it but some, we still have to engage with it because it is just part of what we do yep. but seeing the comments going no self-respecting league in the world would have games kicking off at the same time no it's only one country in the world that doesn't do it it's this one yep yeah it's a tradition from two other sports which one of which i don't mind the other one can get in the bin and we need to stop copying them for how we run our sport well the funny thing is the one that you're not a big fan of even they have overlapping matches as well like on a saturday they'll play five matches um 
between I think it's like one, one and seven thirty, yeah, and or yeah, kicking off between one and seven thirty, and like I don't know if people have watched an AFL game lately. It goes for over three hours. It's not exactly the you know fast paced in and out two hours you get with the rugby codes and football. You're right. They're long and they're boring. I don't know why anyone watches them. <laughs> But, well, look, rug, but really rugby league, but the NRL has almost been set up almost as a TV sport now. Then that's the direction that the, that the um, the IRL Commission and the NRL are going towards, and I think that works for them well and truly good. But we can't keep on saying, oh, that you know, oh, that we need to be go back to days where you know, every game is a standalone, because as Scott correctly pointed, you know. The A-League no more holds, does not hold the interest anymore where you can watch every single game you know, live or even have the interest, unless you've got nothing else to do in your life. And like I said, my life's pretty, you know, it's pretty limited. But even I don't these days yeah. watch every single game. It does just not hold the interest. Can I just say quickly before we go to yeah. you, Scott? I do miss those uni student days when I could watch basically just 12 hours of football on a Saturday starting with the A-League right through to the uh, midnight kickoffs in the Premier League. Well, I was going to ask, putting aside the pandemic year of 2020 when everyone had a lot of time on their hands, when's the last time you watched every minute of every game in an A-League men's round? For me, it's got to be like 2016, 17 days. I can tell you, 20, days To watch all, every single game, complete beginning to end. It's been a long time since that was really... A thing. Now you really you watch your team play, and maybe one or two other games, depending on what else you're doing. So it's the viewer experience has also changed dramatic drastically from the first couple of years, where pretty much everyone was watching every single game. It's almost like the old Simpson thing. If I don't support this thing, it might not make it. Everyone watched <laughs> every single game, but that's eased up over time to be watching your own team and selected other games. So I think it's I think it's changed a lot, and this antiquated theory of every game needs its own window that's that's got to go i honestly i'm just thinking back now it's a really interesting question scott i actually think the last time i watched every match of every round technically might have been about 2011 or 2012 live i'm talking about yeah it's been a long time for a lot of people you can say big wednesday i was actually thinking (laughs) if it wasn't then it would have been around that time it would have or it would have been those like uni holidays when again, like, but I'm yeah, because I'm also just thinking back, like, you know, there was usually something on on the weekend, whether it was you know going to a raw game, which meant I couldn't watch the fixture before, or possibly the one in Perth after, or something along those lines, getting to and from the ground, or you, you know, I, I've worked a lot of jobs that involved weekend shifts, like now, even now, I occasionally have to catch up on raw games because I'm commentating for FQ or Rugby Australia. It's just Unfortunately, it is part of being a grown-up, and I get the feeling it is going to be a similar story now with a child who I hope is still yeah. asleep in the next room. Being a grown-up sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, but see that. See the thing is that why why fight it? Why fight it? You know, again, at the end of the day, it's identify. I think we're all clear. And I think most football fans in this country are yearning for football is an in-ground experience first, TV product second. So the league needs to start structuring, and hopefully having and the one other bit of news that happened today we haven't covered is that there's a new um, a new uh, commissioner for the uh, for the APL and Nick Garcia. So like so hopefully, g'day sir, and I hope that you're sort of taking what 
is on board because and someone who has worked you know across many leagues across the world in some form of capacity would understand that you know what you, the status quo that has been in Australia doesn't necessarily mean it's correct yeah and and that's pretty much it so I would actually love to find out what uh, people are thinking about this suggestion so Friday and Sunday standalone games for TV and then every other game uh, all played over essentially a four-hour window. Sorry, one, on. one more question without notice, James. In, in your skin, you're the when master. I was 14. In the master, of, <laughs> the master of the schedule here. So a game. So what would you count as your prime time window? Because obviously, if you want maximum eyeballs on marquee matchups, let's say like a big blue, a Melbourne derby, a Sydney derby, where would you put? that prime time game in the schedule bearing in you mind you might need to make that a prime time Saturday night TV game yeah I'm, I'm thinking I would probably say Sunday 4pm uh, yeah I was actually thinking the same I'd actually think I'd have a derby and I know it's probably not uh, like people probably wouldn't say oh we've got to go work the next day but 4 o'clock kickoff it's not that bad Especially to give it, yeah. you give it its own airtime. I was, I was thinking the same thing. Friday night, maybe you alternate between the two. But, um, but yeah, like I said, you put on free to wear on one of those nights. I think more so than the traditional oh, 7.30, 7.30 local time Saturday has been prime time. Yeah, and that's also like I the nitpicking thing I can also just come up with right now. Like, that's a 3pm Sunday kickoff in Brisbane, which we've just spent half an hour railing against, if not longer. And it also kind of screws up Wellington because you're kicking off at 6, 7pm local time there or lunchtime Sunday. But maybe you just build it in with enough notice and say, all right, the Sunday game on November 30th or whatever, that is going to be a 7pm Eastern kickoff. Like I said, you like speak about know. that. Like, for example, and because we are... Sorry, sorry, Scott. I That's all right. Jump in. But you look at the NFL, for example. And this is what I, I, I'm thinking that you, what inspired your um, your schedule. You always know that the marquee game, it's the Sunday night NBC game, is always at is at the same time, irrespective of what time zone it's in. So if, if, it's, on, if it's on the West Coast, local time, it's a kickoff. I was at 8.30 kickoff. 5:30 uh, West yeah. Coast time. So if it's in LA, it's 5:30 yeah. p.m. on a Sunday. So you just you just adjust you just adjust you adjust to it. Now maybe okay, Wellington might not be able to ho- have a Sunday afternoon kickoff. Like you know, because that'll be a 6 p.m. kickoff at local time. But you know, like I said, yeah. you, you got like I said, if you establish your parameters on what your prime time game is, then you just you slide accordingly. Yeah, I'm interested to hear what all our listeners have to say on that, James. But I know you want to get onto the match previous of the weekend but two quick news stories which we don't have time for congratulations to Graham Arnold who's the Socceroos coach through the World Cup in 2026 and uh, obviously I'll say this on behalf of all three of us our best best of luck and speedy recovery to one day for his um, broken leg on Sunday that was incredibly tough to watch and we wish him all the best in his um, recovery from that thank you Scott beat me to it yeah thankfully I didn't see it you don't yeah. want to yeah no oh, I I tuned in uh, on my phone from uh, AJ Kelly Park and saw the um, screens put up around him, which is never a good sign no matter what sporting event you're in. Um, Alright, segment four, we uh, teased the NPL previews very, very quickly. Let's run through the uh, raw fixtures. Both teams are in Adelaide this weekend. 
men's uh, match, what are we looking for in this one, Scott? Uh, bounce back and a big one. I'm intrigued to see if any of the new signings play, but there's got to be a bounce back from what we saw on Friday night in Newcastle. Adam? Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing, is that it's got to be better. I don't know. I don't know, getting, you know, saying they'll win, but I certainly think that, you know, it'll be a better, it'll be a much better performance. I think it's, you know, once there's a new signing sell, that might be for a couple of weeks down the track, but it's just got about treading water, get those performances right, first of all. I'm hoping that the, fr- the frustration for Friday night and the excitement of actually getting new signings in, more competition for places, might spur them on for some sort of bounce back. Um, A-League women, I'm thinking the same. It's a Sunday afternoon kickoff. Uh, Got to show that they can respond to what... like It was still a good point, but it kind of felt like a loss to me. So hopefully they can uh, find a way to build themselves up this week, Scott. And the Raw women need a signature win on their schedule for this season. They haven't had one yet. This is a great opportunity to go to a very fancy Adelaide side and get a result. So they probably need to, need to look at it as a case where they need to get a signature win on their calendar. Adam? I think this is going to be the day that uh, the raw, that raw front three are finally going to click. I actually, I, actually, I, I'm actually expecting them to win. Uh, like Adelaide go, are going okay, but I, I, we've always been saying with, with the raw women's team is that if that, if that uh, front three plus Katrina Gorey click, they, they, they could beat anyone on their day. And I, I just have this, just have this feeling that, yeah, you know, and, and this is a as against over an Adelaide side that I originally tipped to win, win the league. So, I think I think uh, Sunday's a day for the Raw. Fair enough. Well, we've got a lot to look forward to this weekend on the uh, Brisbane Football Review with the Raw in action in the city of churches. Yeah, that's the right one. Um, I just realised how long we've been going. Plenty for, of so football let's as well all around, all, all around the uh, MPL preseason as well. Mm. For, if you're looking for a local football fix this weekend, there's plenty of games you can get out to. Yes, there are. All right. Thank you, Scott. Good to talk to you once again. Welcome back, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you, Adam. Welcome back. And we'll be back to recap it all on the next edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you in seven days.